Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Ken. On this 70th edition of Beatles Revolution, my special guest is British comedian, entertainer, actor, Eddie Izzard, somebody who to me is one of the funniest men in the world. Not just a guy doing wife, mother-in-law stand-up comedy. He's a storyteller. Everything from the Bible to human sacrifices to animals, like the Beatles, who started in Pete Best's basement, the Casbah Club, and went on to clubs, to theaters, to playing Shea Stadium. Eddie started as a street performer to comedy clubs to festivals to playing arenas. The parallel is there from the Beatles to Monty Python. Looking forward to a great talk with Eddie Izzard. Take two. It's Ken Dashow's okay. Beatle Revolution. One, two, three, four. On iHeartRadio. I can talk about the Beatles all day, and as a matter of fact, I do a lot on this podcast, but I love talking with other entertainers about what it meant and taking the long view about the Beatles' growth and entertainment. British entertainment really exploded with the Beatles. There are two movements, the Beatles and Monty Python. And somebody who grew from Monty Python, John Cleese once called him the Lost Python, not just telling wife and mother-in-law jokes, but really building stories. That's Eddie. You've seen him on TV. In Hannibal, Dr. Abel Gideon, The Good Wife, The Riches, Ocean's 12. He's also flirted with politics. He's run for public office, supports lots of causes, and runs marathons for charities. And there's even a rumor he wants to run for mayor of London next time around. But if I could define his comedy with one story, it's the hunk about the Death Star cafeteria, that all these thousands of people and soldiers, you never see them eat. There must be a cafeteria. Here's a snippet of Eddie Izzard, the Death Star Canteen. But there must have been a Death Star Canteen, yeah? There must have been a, a cafeteria downstairs in between battles where Darth Vader could just chill and go down. I will have the penne a la Arabiata. <laughs> You'll need a tray. Do you know who I am? Lord Vader. I can kill you with a single thought. We'll still need a tray. <laughs> no, I will not need a tray. I do not need a tray to kill you. Even though I could kill you with a tray if I so wished. For I would hack at your neck with the thin bit until the blood flowed across the canteen floor. Now the food is hot. You'll need a tray to put the food on. Man, I love that. Eddie's passionate, intelligent, political, funny, hilarious. And to talk about the British invasion and America's passion for it, from the Beatles to Python, and why since the 60s, America has been starved for all of British entertainment. The British invasion continues. Welcome, Eddie Izzard, to Ken Nash's Beatles Revolution. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Um, uh, yes, I think, I mean, I, I run a lot, you see. Um, because I did this running before. You don't just run. I mean, I try. I got healthy, I ran. You're running marathons. I know, but I top up with high-intensity interval training. So it's the sprint, relax, sprint, recover, sprint, recover, sprint, recover, which is what tigers do. So I just do <laughs> standard tiger uh, procedure because they run after um, 
Buffalo and so run Buffalo. Have you ever caught any live game while you're on these runs? No, uh, I've seen them go by. I have because I I did run in Mountain Zebra, Mountain Zebra National Park in South Africa. So I did run with the wildlife and next to the because if you ever go on these safaris, you, there's a big green tends to be green uh, metal sharabang of a thing, which I think. We, I don't, you know what Sharabang is? No. It's a imagine a sort of a, a bus where you like a school bus, one of your American school mm-hmm. buses. Take the top off, oh, yes. and and stack it back. In the early days of cars, they had these Sharabangs. They went quite high at the back, um, and they're open plan, but they've got bars over it. So you go on safaris, and that's the thing you go in. It says never get out of this. But for <laughs> me, when I was running in Mountain Zebra National Park because <laughs> I was doing this thing raising money, they said you get out of the car, and <laughs> I did think. That's good television, potentially... Very bad for, result. Yes. Eddie, it actually sounds like a hunk from one of your tours. You running with the wild cats chasing down a wounded gazelle and them looking around going, yeah, what's this bloke doing on two legs running with us? <laughs> I, I do like talking about tigers, but they are in Asia, and this was in Africa, so they were lions. And they did say to me, the lions, don't worry, the lions ate yesterday. So, And <laughs> lions seem to be good at this. They, they eat yesterday, and they don't need one of those all-night... 7-Eleven, <laughs> just popped down for a snack. Oh, I just popped over for a snack of human. And because um, I had the munchies. They don't smoke weed. And, uh, so well, they, to, they, the, to the best of our knowledge. We no, don't. we know that. We, we have asked them. Oh, I see. We've asked every single line. And they don't giggle when they no, get asked. Uh, they don't get, and they have no opposable thumbs. So the rolling of the very difficult. of the joints that they found very tricky. difficult. Trixie. Eddie is about to start a national tour. Wunderbar. Ah, wunderbar. Ah, you got the v sound mm. in it. Well done, because some people have been saying it's wunderbar. No, and it's actually nine. Wunder, nine. It's wunderbar. Yes, it is wunderbar. And at a time when uh, maybe so half of your country, half of my country, are saying, let's try 1930s politics. See where we get <laughs> to when we run that down again. I thought I'd reach back into a language that was used a lot of the time and take a positive word out of it and throw that out. So that's why it's a wunderbar. And it's very close to wunderbra, which is very close to my heart. Uh, if, in, in literal and figurative sense. Yes, and I, I do like the, the linking of those. May 8th in Nashville, it starts. You're rolling July 13th through Seattle, 26 cities. EddieIzzard.com for tickets. How easy is that? EddieIzzard.com. And then on to Britain and... Britain, Ireland, and France. Ending up in France. If you can learn French by November, I will be playing... Le Rond-Point um, in English, and in, actually I'll be doing it in English as well. Um, but uh, the French kids are now performing in English, and the English kids are performing in French. And that is that is a 21st century thing, baby. That's kind of cool. Well, the wildest thing, I was reading that you workshopped this tour yeah. in France and that you started it speaking French. You yeah. did the tour en français. I did. I wanted to do something very positive because I disagree with the negative, using hatred as, as a thing in politics. So... I went to France and I jumped on stage and said, Bonsoir Paris, je m'appelle Elisa. And I started improvising in French. Uh, les poulets, the chickens. Is it dangerous or not? Uh, you know, a chicken with a gun, a poulet avec un fusil. C'est dangereux. <laughs> and uh, so I muck about, and if it doesn't work, I go, Okay, don't ever write, you know. Yeah, don't do c'est that. Pas, c'est pas drôle avec les poulets. <laughs> and, and I just do the same things I was doing in English, but. My vocabulary is less, but I can go, come on, it's good. How do you say uh, helicopter? And talk to the yeah, audience. And they yes. say, oh, helicopter is helicopter. Oh, they're easier. Because all, all the new words tend to be the same <laughs> in English and French. But then I, did, I got about 20 minutes in French, and then I went to Germany and got another 10 minutes jumping on stage in German and saying, Guten Abend, Berlin. And I did the whole thing in German as well. 
So, and before English, which was kind of, it's a beautiful thing, my, my self-confidence. How much does, I mean, if the idea stays the same, if a yeah. piece about uh, tigers running or yeah. something, if the piece is the same, how much does it change how you tell it, how you tell the Zero story? Zero percent. Really? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you must, you know, you, it's a country where a lot of, well, uh, economic migrants have come in over centuries, centuries, yes, because they say centuries, um, and people develop sense of humor, and, and all the people, you know, everyone on Saturday Night Live, they had, they had histories that were going back, and their parents weren't necessarily from the same country. Humor is human. It's the, and... Uh, it, it's the references that will trip people up. So if you're an American comedian, you're talking uh, brands in the supermarkets, uh, sports stars, yeah, yeah. Uh, p- political stars, things on telly. You go to another country and they go, we don't know those people on your telly. We don't know those sports stars. We don't know those political people. We don't know those brand names. And that will trip you up. But if you say human sacrifice <laughs> and you go anywhere, and I, I, this is in my last year, and I used to say, the weather is bad, the crops have failed, the gods obviously hate us, so we're going to kill Steve. <laughs> and then it's going to really pick up after that. Figures ahead. <laughs> on this guys but we really think if we rip Steve's body open and just blood everywhere then We're the gods, yes. gods <laughs> I, we get this feeling the gods are going to be happy as Larry about that and then the crops <laughs> bumper crop next year now you say that anywhere in the world and they go why did we used to do that and we <laughs> right. all used to do it all across, all spread out all any over the world any page of any history book yeah. and they sacrifice them to the there's gods there's a good example why it shouldn't have happened because somebody should have been saying surely the gods Steve was made by the gods you rip open something made by the gods, a living, breathing, talking person, not just the wild ones that don't talk, but these, this this civilized person who talks and breathes. You're going to rip them open. You think that's going to please them? They're going to give you horrible crops for a million years. That should have been the next counter argument. Yeah. Well, but because the guy with the bone through his nose was in charge, I am in charge. And I'm talking. And in fact, you, Jeff, you're next. The guy complaining. Jeff, the god of biscuits. Yes. I still remember. You remember Jeff, the god of biscuits? Yes. Well, I always thought there was nobody doing stats back then. Nobody said, let's see, 584, we sacrificed. Yeah. Jim, and the crop still failed. The following year, eh, about the same. The next year, we sacrificed the twins. Actually, that got worse. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah, they would have made it. They would have they massaged it, wouldn't they? They would have massaged the figures and say, well, we kill a lot of people. Maybe we killed two of the wrong people. In fact, we need to kill more people. And then it will really pick up. And it, it was a, a controlling. It was religion controlling the people, which we have done through the early uh, what we call the pagan gods through into the more modern gods, the what? Spanish Inquisition. Fear? Are you saying that fear is a fear. remarkable controller it's of people? It's a stronger <laughs> political tool. It's an easier political tool than, than love. Love takes two people to love, only one person to hate. Interesting. You know, wow, that's yeah. beautiful. You can drink on your own and you can hate on your own. It takes two people to love. I know. So I'm we, putting that in, in well, stone. Let I'm me add to this. As someone who's going to politics, we have to be brave and curious. Uh, and a lot of people are fearful and suspicious. So brave and curious is the way for humanity. Fearful and suspicious is not the way for us to go forward. So I don't talk about this. Well, I, I cruise through this in my show because in the show I'm going to talk about everything from the beginning of time to um, to last. <laughs> I learn a lot Thursday. of history, by the way, being <laughs> being I with you. I chuck it in. Yes, I mean, well, just you. The my favorite element of of great stand up is that you take something in history, say, like the Trojan horse. And that's when I first tuned in. And you make it real, the, the reality of what this could be when you open the horse. If somebody looked in before they jumped out, I went, oh, hello. Uh, this is, I love that. This, because it doesn't need – it's not a punchline. It's just a story. It's just – They are just stories, and it's very influenced by – 
Billy Connolly, Scottish comedian Billy Connolly, Love Richard Billy. Pryor, big hero of American comedy, and Monty Python is the underpinning of, of the whole thing. Listen, who, who are the, the, the comedy Beatles? We should have linking into the Beatles. So, you know, George Harrison always said the spirit of the Beatles went into Monty Python. In a Jim Morrison type side yeah. of the road <laughs> via a Native American guy. <laughs> yes. By, but for us here, growing up in America, like New York kids, and, you know, Beatles, Python. It was the same for us. When you came in on Monday to high school, like, did you, and we would just do all the sketches all yeah. over again, and the silly walk sketch, and we tried to do it. And, oh, remember that? Oh, and then there was the, the, the weight came down on his head. And just the same way as when we were kids, for me, growing up in the 60s, it was every Beatles song. And the link for all this, for Eddie being here, and a, I'm thrilled to talk to you about anything, but I loved that when you were in Ron Howard's movie, Eight Days a Week, and we always talk about the music, the music, the music. And you were the... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The first one who pointed, as you said, they were cheeky. They were, nobody else we had just done was the anniversary of their press conference in America. Yeah. You know, in February. And e listen to every, every new star on either side of the pond. Every interview that Elvis Presley ever gave. Uh, I don't rightly know, ma'am. Uh, I'm uh, hoping to, and uh, I think uh, with the good Lord's help. And uh, well, yes, sir. I, I don't know what it is that drives them crazy. And you know, the Beatles come. They're here for ninety seconds, and they're giving stick right back to the you know to the reporter. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. did you find America? We made a left at Greenland. We're but boom, sh we're on. Yeah. And so, to me, not just that they're funny now, as opposed to dismissing these crazy kids, every news agency has to get some Beatle time because it's great ratings. Let's be yeah. as crass as possible. If you can get the Beatles on your show, money. What were the Ed Sullivan numbers? Was it? it was Seventy million. Seventy million people. That's just insane numbers. Million. And but and we should because people in America might know that well. But what was what would be a standard uh, Ed Sullivan thing? Would it be more like thirties and forties. Yeah, I mean it was huge. It was the, with thirty forty million is as big a standard, number as this you was. Could a, imagine. This was a jump. This is double. This crazy, alcoholic, humorless little you know Irishman who wrote a gossip column. The last how was it? Was it because he did a gossip column? How yeah. did he get that position? He was like you know Ed Sullivan, the toast of the town. He wrote this column about so and so was out drinking. You know Tyrone Power was having drinks with Irene Dunn or so whatever right. it is. And what we're going to do a show at night. You know, there was so little thought to how these things get put together. Well, you know celebrities. Why don't you host a show with, right. with uh, famous you. people? Uh, okay. And, you know, is it, was there any human being physically, vocally ever less suited to being on the television? Uh, right now, ladies and gentlemen, we have Sergio Franchi and the Dancing Bears. and the Be He didn't even have a sense of when to say the name of the act, you know, uh, right after, right before the Beatles, rah, and he didn't understand why they interrupted him and went nuts. You know, just no sense of how to do a show. But he did have a sense of what to put on. And it's the thing I miss the most of that every, the reason everybody could watch is here is Kate Smith singing, here's a scene from Camelot, here's the Russian acrobats, and here's the doors. Good night. And 
It's. I would love to see a show that did that now. Could you imagine literally having any element of society and entertainment on one show? Yes, that that is weird. I'm not sure that I would tune in for all of it. <laughs> I might tune out for bits of it. But yeah, I mean, that's it's obviously it's got into the niches. Now you have people. The Dancing Bears have their own channel, <laughs> yes. Dancing Bear Channel, and right. now there's more Dancing Bears. Now there's Dancing Chihuahuas, uh, various animals dancing. But um, yeah, the, the interesting thing talking about the, the the humor of the Beatles, just on that point, is that it was funny. Like it, like it was as if a, a comedy group had come over because bands, yes. no band is, no band has been that witty, no, and off the cuff, and I, I don't think at all. Stones, Beatles, Who, Zap, you know, all of it. But any interviews. Well, you know, we locked the new record, and uh, you know, hoping it goes well. We locked to tour the state. <laughs> Yeah, You know, and these guys would come in were always fun. To this day, if Paul calls in, it's not just it's not just because, wow, it's Paul McCartney. It's something fun. He'll yeah. he'll turn a story, you know, almost in the Eddie way of just telling you a story where the world's going, oh, what a cool story. And he can talk to an audience, whether it was the Cavern or 180,000 people in, in Rio is what they did. And I always thought, you know, r- again, right off the bat, that first movie, Hard Day's Night, and again, Elvis was everything, right? And Elvis yep. was the reason John Lennon and all these guys. It was Elvis and Lonnie Donegan. They all mm. said, you know, the two pillars for them. Elvis and Rock on and Lon is my... And that was it. But So Elvis is making these dumbass movies where his name is Cole, Cole Trickle or something. And he's, I'm going to win this race. And, you know, and he's a race car driver. He's a farmhand. And the Beatles are just the Beatles. And they invent MTV in 1964 because we do these jump cuts. Yeah. We're playing, we're talking, we're funny. And, you know, I just thought, I didn't get it at the time as a kid, but in that train compartment, making fun of the banker with the bowler hat yeah. and the perfect Savile Row suit. Now, see here, I want that window closed. And to be that irreverent out of the box, to, to you know, to kind of give the finger to the status quo when you've just arrived, that's something. Yeah, I think they by that by Hard Day's Night they'd a bit slightly more than just arrived, hadn't they? They'd already they'd already. Well, we knew them in music, but we didn't know but, them. Well, we are we talking we America or we Britain? Because because well, we, good we knew them from sixty. What is it? Sixty three. Yeah, is that when you first? Wait, so no, we like, see. I'm born in sixty two. You see, so I missed it. So when I did missed you the whole first, thing. When did you first? experienced the Beatles. What do you remember? Like 75. Oh, really? Yeah. No, but I also sang uh, She Loves You, Yeah, 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 uh, by the coal shed in Northern Ireland. And I would have, I talked like this, not an Irish accent. We started picking it up when, when I was a Did kid. Did you talk like that? So, we, so we, we talked like this, and it's uh, um, apparently we talked like this out, outside the, the house. And then when we went in, we went back into this English, more English thing. My par- <laughs> my my mother was freaked out by this. The, the, but we was we were code switching, we were accent switching at the front door. Right. Dad actually heard. I only had. I've only known this for a month. I was told this by a friend of my dad's because he passed away last year. So I must have sung it in a Northern Irish accent. I would have gone, "She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah." And I do remember saying that by the coal bunker on Five Ashford Drive in Northern Ireland in Cody Down. Not that um, you remember that much. So that, and then it's seventy-five. I had. A weird relationship with music, comedy, and film are my uh, was my were my bibles, and music uh, intimidated me slightly. My my tastes were very melodic and mainstream, and I had to I had to refine the Beatles after the fact, which is really odd. But it means that you get it all in one go, and then you can go, okay, so this early stuff and the later stuff, okay, there's a difference here, and it's it's weird. But I just I uh, I I had a 
I just I was intimidated. We had punk. Just in my sensibility was really cutting punk happened. It was very angry and I wasn't with them on the anger. I could see what they were angry about the situation in life and also where music had gone into prog and they said we we have no access to getting our singles made and I just didn't come in that route. I was coming via Python and I was coming via um films from what Eagles did to Battle of Britain to um to thrillers and very much action movie and thriller driven. I broke into Pinewood Studios when I was 15. So it was all Did active. you really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Spielberg broke into, into Universal right. when he was about 18, 18, right. 18 19. Was it, I think he was late because yeah. he got a desk in there. So he must have been a bit older than. Yeah. He I just did. walked in every day with a, with a suitcase. Well, he went a, in with the with, yeah. the with the tour and jumped away. So yeah. I don't know how apocryphal that's got. <laughs> I don't know if Steven's really nailed down exactly <laughs> what happened on that. But. Um, he got a career going from it, and I got nothing out of mine. <laughs> but I have now filmed twice or three times, I think, at Pinewood, and I, I want to. And I've, my first movie is now that I've co-written is, is now happening. Oh, what is coming it? out this year? It's called Six Minutes to Midnight. Um, it's a based at a school. I grew up in this little seaside town called Bexhill on Sea. It's near Brighton, Hastings, south of England. Um, and there were 26 schools in that town, and one of them was called the Augusta Victoria College for Girls, and it had. Himmler's goddaughter was in there. Von Ribbentrop, really? Von Ribbentrop's daughter was there. It was a finishing school for the daughters of the Nazi High Command and very linked girls. And they were all going up to to London and hanging out in the German embassy and listening to Hitler's speeches. And so, and the badge had a, a, a Nazi swastika and you're kidding a um, British uh, Union Jack on it. So. I saw that that blazer badge, and I just thought there's a story in that. That is beyond words. And so it's based in and around real events of World War II, just about to happen, and these girls. And but the story we have we have built a thrill around it, and I star with Judy Dench and Jim Broadbent, both Oscar winners. Not too shabby for a cast. That, that'll Not do. Not too shabby. That'll do for a place to start. My. Gone. Eddie Izzard is with us. Uh, EddieIzzard.com for tickets. The Wunderbar Tour, 26 cities uh, starting now in May, going through July in the U.S. and then through the U.K. and France. Because, um, you know, podcasts on the iHeartRadio app, we're everywhere. Yeah, no, I've, can... I've already been in Australia, New Zealand, and Eastern Europe and Central Europe. So, But I, last tour I did 45 countries, so I can, I can actually increase the tour. But then again, um, I'm coming back to play uh, Broadway uh, next year, and uh, you're going to do "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf," or as I call it, "Who's Afraid of Elizabeth Taylor," playing <laughs> Richard Burton with the great Laurie Metcalf playing um, Elizabeth Taylor slash um, <laughs> um, uh, the, 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 the female lead in that. Um, so yeah, she's Martha. Just, yes, Martha. it's Martha, Martha that, and George. Yes. Martha. You know what? He hypnotizes me. I got to see him. I got to see Burton do Equus, and. I never understood anything about the play because I realized I am actually being hypnotized by the sound of his voice. You saw him live? Or you saw yeah, I saw him live oh, on wow. Broadway as a kid. I'm saying, the boy came to me and just, dee, 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 and you're just, you can't hear or understand anything. You're just listening to the tone of his voice. You could listen to, if you get Zulu, if you, I don't know if you can pull up Zulu, but if you get Zulu, the theme track, the, the, one of the tracks is him talking about all the people, the Welsh people, because he's Welsh, yeah. all the Welsh people who won Victoria Crosses at Rourke's, Rourke's Drift, Rourke's Drift, I think is the name of the area, um, when the, the film Zulu is, is, is based upon that battle. 
And, wow. and he reads out all the names, and that's very resonant. That's you know, if you just want to hear Richard Burton do a slice of his voice, hearing by, him read that out. By the way, it's, I love the stories. I mean, I, I've done theater, and acting stories are great, and actors are are nuts and everything. But the the Burton. Peter O'Toole, Richard Harris stories. Mm. There, there is legend, and then there is going at when when you know you're not on stage for six pages, so you leave the theater to go get a couple of quick pops across the pub. I mean, that is even by crazy actor standards, those guys took it <laughs> to a level I believe that is even beyond the norm. If I would, it yes, it is. It is yeah, kind of. A, I I couldn't I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't compete in that area. I mean, if you watch uh, A Line in Winter. With Peter O'Toole, yeah. I think he was getting rat-assed every night and then coming in <laughs> ragged and doing these lines um, and the way he delivers them. It, it I, I read that. I, he delivered them. So, I mean, he was, I think, Oscar-nominated on that one. And he, uh, but once you know that he was probably just drinking out all night and then came in and did that with, hung over in the morning, it kind of makes sense because <laughs> his character is very... What's the he's angry, but but it's it's controlled anger. But he's also enjoys he's enjoying being king. Henry the Second had a good run, but then ended um, his life on his own because everyone hated him. Like Peter O'Toole's line in one of my favorite movies, my favorite year. There's out, and then there's out. Eddie Izzard on Kadesha's Beatles Revolution. Quick break. More after this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Eddie Izzard, my special guest on this edition of Ken Dashow's Beatles Revolution. You know, we talk about you working in different languages and you explain sometimes in you know French and you will explain to an American audience and you, you make it very simple and translate along the way. It's I always thought that the Beatles, the Liverpudlian accents went a long way with American girls. I mean, it's cute. they look great. The music was terrific for the introduction. But the voice, that accent, I think, really, really turned on every American girl. Well, that's interesting. And But could they tell the Liverpudlian from the Mancunian accent? Which means, can, can I? Yes. Uh, can you? Could the average could, person? Can you tell it? Because it's different. Mancunian is very close to yeah, it. It's very close. I mean, just from hanging with Graham Nash a little bit or, you know. The, You've been there of, long enough to be able to. Some of it, yeah, because it's very close. But there's, it, you know, it, it doesn't go up as much. I can't do them and separate them perfectly. But um, I thought it was the posh English accent that was supposed to be very impressive to American girls. But I found that my accent doesn't work. I could turn on one that I think it's this one <laughs> yeah. that's supposed to be yes. very impressive. I don't know yeah. why this is so impressive because it's monarchy. 
thing and and monarchy is a, you had a whole revolutionary war against that against these kind of actions and they love it when americans love it when they play bad guys or if they have babies which is at the moment it's going on yes my favorite british expressions are we'll get it sorted which just yeah. it encompasses so much well this is this is all screwed up like let's go to the pub and they'll get it sorted yeah, I'm sure they will. It's it's just kind of a very genteel. It, they'll they'll figure out what's wrong. You can say that much more nastily as well. <laughs> Get it sorted. That's good. Or well, come around here with a bunch of guys and we'll, we'll sort you. We'll sort we'll, you out, we'll Kenny. Like say you. You've stolen all my sweets for too long now. <laughs> we have sweets. You have candy. It annoys me that sweets don't transfer. And the French but it have sounds bonbons. great. I yeah, because I I like to. I always liked the idea of people doing. They stole forty million pounds and they spent it all on sweets. I just like the idea that someone did a big bank heist and then spent it all on sweets, like the Cray Brothers. Only it's yeah. the the uh, what were they? The Dinsdale and Luigi Piranha. Oh right? yeah, the, yes, that's this is the the Python well, of Beatles. Yes, they came up with the plan, which was we will beat you up if you give us money. After nothing happened, they went back to the drawing board for Plan B, which was we'll beat you up if you don't give us money. That was the breakthrough the Piranhas were looking for. And nailing people's heads to coffee tables. No, it never. Yes. It never. It didn't. Well, the police actually have film of him nailing your wife's head to a coffee table. Oh, yeah. I mean, once. Yeah. I mean, but he had to. Oh, he transgressed the unwritten law. Perfe all of we can That's do That's very line. close paraphrasing. As, I'm sorry. Uh, it was I, close, no, but. Because, no, I'm, I'm a sad fan who, who does know these things and has recited them to Python. Because I feel my stand-up is essentially python I thought I'd, I'd stolen everything from Python, <laughs> but there is actually half of it, half of what I do I have in uh, in stolen off of Richard Pryor and, and Billy Connolly probably, <laughs> which is the 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 talking to right. the people, the, the narration, the narration part of stand up uh, is not part of Python. But then I just when I say you, know, you put forward an idea and then you start playing out characters, and that bit is 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 Python and the holy influence. Well, everyone is influenced by. Of course. Wonderful. I mean, Eric Idle called you the lost python, right? Or was no, it that, was, that was John Cleese. John Cleese. And I checked. A higher compliment you cannot have. Yeah, I know. I checked with John because so, I thought, you know, people say these things and it's been it's going around. So I went up, I went and saw his show and I said backstage, did you say that I was a lost python? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, I've got that. And I forgot to ask him, what did you mean by that? <laughs> and I've divined what he means by, I've made up my own meaning for it. I think I'm, I'm lost in time. I think right. that is it. Had you like, been... Twenty at years, Oxbridge. Only, only twenty years younger. Right. It's a had, had you been at Oxbridge, one of those two, you know. In but that I, time. I, I would have gone. I would have gravitated with with my sensibility. They were being influenced by the goons, right? Which is Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan. And bizarrely, my dad was playing me the goons at the same time as I was watching Monty Python. So I was getting double surrealist uh, injections at uh, at the same time, which which is and one predates the other by by twenty years. Right, and now bringing it around full circle, who's the producer of The Goon Show? This producer named George Martin. And nobody wants to sign the Beatles because they're chimney sweeps from the north, a rock band from Liverpool, musicians from Liverpool. Are you joking? No, that's never happening. Every record label rejects them. Is it Decca famously turns it down? Yes, who is it, uh, Richard Smith? Yeah, uh, Dick, Dick Rowe. Dick Rowe. Who, yeah, who said guitar groups are on their way out. Yeah. Andrew Lou Goldham said, I, 
I don't think of him as the guy who turned down the Beatles. He's the guy who signed the Rolling Stones. Because yeah. they said the next four guys who walk in here with guitars, if their name isn't on a contract, you can walk out the door with them. Thank you very much. So it it did open that, but they wind up with the comedy producer. Yeah, well, this is not mentioned much. You were the first, because Parler phone, it was talk, right. talk, Parler talking, right. and they'd done a lot of Peter Sellers' comedy records. And had they done any rock and roll before? No, it had all been sort of comedy or, you know, comedic kind of. I don't know if George Formby recorded, but it's that. It was the novelty. Yeah. Well, it was, it was the Leslie Bacuse. It was, it was Stop the World, I Want to Go For It. It was, it was right. the comedy album. My dad had a lot of these, but when George Martin, you know, coming from running a record shop, which is not the same as being an A&R guy, and he gets them signed, but to a comedy label, and this, I really found this has not been pulled up as much as it had been. How did George Martin get the right to put out a, a, a rock and roll song? Do you know how, I'm like, this is a question for you, how they got the, the, the chance? Because if you're doing comedy albums, say, actually, I've got this rock and roll band, I want to put them out. Surely the people upstairs would have said, stick in your lane, you're a comedy guy. What are you doing? I I think, and they've never, George never explained it, but when Brian, you know, the, Brian played him the tape and he said, I don't really hear much. And on desperation, last minute, you know, a, a shot from across the court said, what if I bring them down here tomorrow and right. play for you live? Because I, no, I, I just don't think I've captured it on the record. Would you see them live? Yeah. They come down on train by Liverpool and he hears it and goes, okay, there's something there. I see it live. I'll, I'll get a better recording out of them. Let's, let's try it. And I, I think to this AMI thought, well, I'll bet. George knows what he's doing. He works with Peter Sellers. He'll make it funny, is my guess. Make it funny. Is that, okay, he signed a musical group. They'll put in like horns and pop, pop, and they'll do something funny with it, is my guess. Because they let him sign them and put out this album. And, you know, at the beginning, it didn't really get right off the bat too much traction. Was it 37, the first single, wasn't it? Uh, In the first single, not. It didn't get number one, didn't it? No, 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 right. I mean, it was 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 known. But they just played everywhere and anywhere and you know like like you started doing stand-up like working outside of edinburgh in the clubs or we all start somewhere nobody i keep saying these overnight sensations the beatles nobody nobody ever worked harder than those kids yeah it's the hamburg the eight-hour shows in hamburg that's seven nights a week and people you know is there a band today that would do that much work that would shed that hard seven nights a week 45 minutes on 15 minutes off you know, washing in the urinals of a strip club didn't matter. We're going to play so that when they got on stage, every single band, Eddie, who saw them or opened for them said, you just never saw anything like it. Nobody could touch them. They ran on stage and played in two seconds. I, I, I really think Hamburg, Germany made the Beatles. Which without is, a doubt. Which, which is an interesting thing. The Mach Show, Mach Show. You know that story, yeah. Yeah. I know the eight hours. And I also I asked... Uh, I said, how to, to Paul McCartney, I asked him, and I was, I was having to be talking to him about because I did, did this Music Cares um, honorary, yeah. uh, honorarium of him in, in, in L.A., and I said, you, the playing piano, did you, your dad taught piano, did he teach you piano? And he said, no, I learned to play the piano in, in, in Hamburg. I, th- I think I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I think this is what he said because he was playing his guitar, guitar broke, so he had to jump on the piano and start hammering on that because they just had to keep it all going. And so he obviously had, a, a, had obviously played around on a piano, but he got himself up to a speed on on the piano in in Hamburg. And I don't think that's really out and about, but I believe I think that's what he said to me, unless I've got that entirely wrong. It's no, it's I just think he was born to do this. The man was just 
born with this innate ability. I got now. You know, I said to him again. We're not about name dropping, but I don't care about the the gossipy part. I want to know about the music and how it was created. Mm-hmm. Like with you, I said this sounds like the ultimate fanboy question, but uh, for real, have you ever noticed you had no formal musical training that you could just kind of pick up any instrument pretty much that made music and screw around with it and you found after a few minutes or a while you could just play it and he, he stopped and said, nobody's ever asked me that before um yeah guess so <laughs> well it's a good thing you didn't go work in the docks i mean because he played the drums and there were moments in the beatles and it's been documented well you know what let's all go for tea paul can i see you for a minute yeah redo the drums and I'll play the piano, and I'll, you know, here's John Wright's Strawberry Fields, and he's screwing around with a Mellotron. Hey, Lennon, here's the opening, and he plays the opening for. Him. And just who does that? That that's the that's that Mozart. And I'm being very serious when I make the analogy. You you're born with an ability. You hear it in your head, and it just comes through your fingers, or you don't. I don't think you can train someone forever to just be able to pick up anything and go, that's the melody or that's the beat. I think self training. What do they call it? Auto- autodidactism? It's a very big word for it, but anyway, yeah. the self-training thing is, is, is an interesting approach because it has no walls on it. So if right. you, whatever you self-train in, you're going to have this open approach to things. Why did you do that? You're not allowed to do that. Oh, is other rules in what I've done? I've just taught myself to do this. So, um, And that could be to anyone and, and how they do it. Um, and also, kids are, uh, are geniuses at creativity. They have proved. Well, actually, I don't know if that comes out quite right. They gave kids um, paper clips, and and they said, "What can you think of? What can you come up with ideas of using this?" And at kindergarten stage, apparently, they were coming out at really high levels, at genius levels, mm-hmm. apparently, of 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 ideas what you could do with it. And then later on, everyone got less and less ideas because they they'd more closed down their creative. Instinct because they've been told to or or, or disencouraged to do yeah, it. When you're told this is how you use yes. this device, and uh, you know from the Beatles to Python to you yourself, you know just br- bringing your own constructs of how the art form goes. I Gilbert Gottfried, one of my favorites, because Gilbert, as opposed to doing stand up, you know set up punchline, Gilbert's the same thing. He's jazz. He's Miles Davis. He pieces jump. He builds stories. He stops. There's something a. Uh, uh, quick hit of something completely politically incorrect, and then boom, before you can even gasp, next story, there's his own internal rhythm to things that I first found that I fell in love with. And then here's Eddie doing the same thing, just stepping out of the story to talk to me in the moment, to me, the audience, sitting here about, oh, you notice how I'm talking about this, making it, breaking the fourth wall, and then we go back into the story sort of way. And to me, that was that was the Beatles. Genius is... When there's feed, everybody there's feedback coming from the amp and the guitar, and everybody says, "Oh, move that," and John Lennon says, "No, that's the start of the song." And that's the start of "I Feel Fine." What if, what if the mistake, as you said, before you realize that's a mistake, you go, "No, that's it." What if we just cut up the tape and throw it in the air and see what happens, and you get the benefit from Mr. Kite? You know, and that, that look what stands. Look at look at all these years later. You know, is the handsome guy with the pompadour, is that still standing? Wow, exactly. No, here I am doing a show where 50% of the people listening to this, Eddie, are under the age of 25. And you know what? I've it, That's the thing that keep, that shocks me when they, 
children and teenagers and people say to me, oh, my, my kid's autistic, he's on the spectrum, he's nonverbal. You were playing uh, all together now and he just starts singing. Yellow Submarine, I was drove off the road because the kid's singing Yellow Submarine. I mean, a hundred times I've heard stories like that. Yeah. That's what lasts. That's why I relate to what you're doing on stage, why Python was so irreverent and we're still, and Netflix buys all the Monty Python so we can still watch them again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting. The um, We are very driven in the world by, uh, we are very looks-driven celebrity uh, fascination of that. And that links into, I suppose, a sexiness, a sex and sexiness thing that, that, that drives a part of humanity. But it doesn't last. It really just does not last. And if you look back to, um, who was the great uh, silent screen hero who, when he died? Um, no, no, Nuriev, not Nuriev. Rudolf Valentino? No. Rudolf Valentino, yes, that's yes. him. Rudolf Valentino. Yeah. So when he died, it stopped everywhere, you know. Women were distraught. Now, if you look at Valentino, you go, hey, he's quite a good-looking guy and a kind of... Macho, know, swashbuckling. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. But does everyone lose it? over the, and, and looks, they don't seem to um, transform because you have to be bombarded by them for, for a certain amount of time. So, right. so people go, oh, right, this look, okay, yes, that is a sexiness thing going. And then and then it moves on. But the things that last are the things that that, that resonate... Um, without looks, they just exist. It could be music, it could be comedy, it could be ideas, philosophy, great artworks. They have to exist on their own, and they are, and they tend to be created by average people. If you're too pretty, you probably you won't create great art because you'll you'll be invited to the party too quickly. They will say, "Come to the party. You're only six. Come on. And again, hey, I'm in the party. I don't have to do anything." Whereas everyone else has to fight like crazy to get invited to the party, and uh, and that's where the great creativity comes from. I was I was doing stand up in the '80s, you know, and getting going. And it's Pips in Brooklyn. It's meatball comedy. You know that you couldn't build a com if you wanted to get a laugh. It's you know how many people are here from Brooklyn and have never been laid? Three, four, five, and th that was that was it. If you stepped away from that little narrow bowling alley of a thing you were, you were lost but the owner George Schultz who said we we're talking about comedy and what you know and he had been doing it forever he he did a sketch comedy act with Lenny Bruce and at that time Jackie Roy who became Rodney Dangerfield and they were doing sketch comedy and it's just shit you know and it's just not working so George had kids so he opened a club and Jackie sold aluminum siding and Lenny went on to change the world you know and says, which is how it happens with three guys doing a show um, but he always said to me, he goes, give me a guy, you know, good looking guy, you know, clean, good to his mother, has a solid job. Just nothing funny about that. Now, you get a 30-year-old guy losing his hair, bleeding gums, owes money to loan sharks. Now, that's funny. And, <laughs> you know, and he's right. And it's interesting because if you're in rock and roll, you tend, or film star, or a, a music, that, that, that is more a looks-driven thing. Uh, and people can elevate them to the position of gods or goddesses. Yeah. And in, in, in comedy, we're more like the representative from the audience who just gets up on stage from the audience yes. and articulates things already in people's minds. Go, oh, yeah, that's I, I've thought, I've noticed that, I've seen that, I've found that. And we are kind of like a representative of the audience as opposed to a god that's come from outer space, <laughs> which I think bands and 
and film stars are supposed to represent or are pushed into that. that yeah, area. you're right. You know, the, uh, Python, Billy Connolly, it's always poking your finger in the eye of the guy with the bowler hat. It's yeah. not being the guy yeah. in the bowler hat. Eddie Izzard is my guest. You can get tickets for the Wunderbar Tour, eddieizzard.com. It's across all of uh, America, 26 cities. It's just something not to miss. I'm, I'm speaking on anybody who has never seen Eddie Izzard. If I'm going to tell you, well, what's it like? What is it? If you don't mind, if I may, for a sample, if if you just Google or go to YouTube, just look up the Star Wars canteen. And if I gave them one thing, is Death that, Star canteen. The Death Star canteen. canteen. If I gave, is that fair to say if you want to get? Yeah, that's my that's my business card, really. Is, Eddie, that I, I saw you workshop that. We were at the Village Theater, I think, or something. Literally gasping, I. Gasping for breath when you were first well, initially out. Well, that, yes. was, that was at Westbeth. Yes, that, that was, was at Westbeth. Right. That's when gasping I was gasping for breath. That was gasping. interesting because um, howling. How, yeah, I mean, I, I literally kept changing it every night. Um, it was one of the things. The recording that is it exists is just one of the nights that was recorded on it. But it goes on. It's actually channeling me. That this that it is basically Darth Vader. The premise is Darth Vader saying, "I love the, the little bit that initially he says." Uh, we've just blown up uh, Alpha Beta 9. Um, <laughs> Emperor, I'm going down to the machines. <laughs> what do you want? Dark Coke? Coke? Dark Coke? What do you want, you weird bleeder? <laughs> want Kit Kat? Kit Kat, you're thin. <laughs> Come on, Emperor. Bulk up a bit. All right, and then he goes down, but instead of the machines, he goes down to the canteen and, and he orders Penny alla Arabiata. <laughs> and they're going, you need a tray. And it's all this thing about whether he needs a tray or not. And he says, do you know who you are? And it's a status play, and it's really channeling me uh, at Leicester Forest East Service Station on the M1 in, in England, ordering the Penny alla Arabiata when, when European dishes started first coming in. And I was hitching up and down from London to Sheffield University, where I had just dropped out of at the age of 19, but I was still hanging around and trying to get work there. I was trying to get work in London. Um, so that's what's, it, it's really just this endless status play that goes on for hours. As long as you would like. And it's, well, it's about five minutes. So, but so I don't, if, if you haven't seen it, I'm not giving away too much, but you, you talk about Mr. Stevens and, you know, at catering. And at the, was it the Force Mayor tour? Yeah. When, I believe you refer to him as Commander Stevens, or he was no, it was Captain Stevens. Uh, no, it was still Mr. Stevens. There was there was one night when I saw you at the Beacon, and you had elevated you. You oh. had given him a title, and the entire audience erupted. The Beacon stood up with a standing ovation, and you stepped out and said, "He, you know, he's not real. You know, it's just a person." And we were so proud of Mr. Stevens. For having elevated, I swear. I don't well, think he I may, maybe I made him a captain, but then you see that's the thing with ad living. That's the thing with jazz. <laughs> if you if you jazz, you don't quite know what you said. People repeat stuff back to me, and I can't quite remember what I've yeah. said. Yeah, you had given him a title, and the audience stopped you, and three thousand people stood up and cheered for Mr. Stevens. <laughs> well, in the force was your <laughs> turn. Um, we had. We had a God coming down to a canteen <laughs> trying to buy spaghetti carbonara, which is saved for Darth Vader. Then he fights Darth Vader. Yes, and Mr. Yes. Stevens comes down and says, what the hell is going on? And, and I don't and show quite what he... stapled the, the trays to his hands. Yes, was... <laughs> yes, that's right. He stapled the tray to his hand so that he could whack people in the face with it. Um, oh. 
But it's I, I try and entertain myself. That's the front part of what I'm doing. If, mm. if the audience gets it, that's great. Exactly. But it's I'm trying to make myself laugh because I've I've been to all my shows. Yes. So it's it's always new. It's it's always new. EddieIzzard.com for tickets. Uh, before I let you go, last thing: you are leaving the entertainment world in the next couple of years and truly dedicating yourself to politics. Well, I don't know if I, I should truly. De- I'm I'm dead. I will for a period of time. Go into politics, dedicate myself to politics. Uh, Glenda Jackson, if people know Glenda Jackson, won two Oscars, and then she went into British politics for 23 years, and now she's back out of it and straight on to Broadway, straight on to the West End. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger went away and came back. It's, it's one of those things. I'm going away. I'm putting my career to hibernation. It is a time to fight for humanity to go forwards, and we can't go forwards if we're trying 1930s politics. Not even looking for a joke here, Eddie. Can you explain to us why the English people keep being asked to vote over and over again about Brexit? What's Theresa May trying to get at? I, I think we shouldn't even go to that place. If you just look at the at the macro of it, I'm saying this politically. This is our, this is either our last century on Earth where we wipe ourselves off the planet, or it's the first century where we make it fair for 7.5 billion people. We're either heading towards a fair world, or we're, it's good by humanity. There have been five mass, great mass extinctions, and we can quite easily do the six. And um, humanity has this knack of taking things right up to the edge. If you look at World War II, we just did not right. do anything until way too late. I mean. And if Pearl Harbor hadn't happened, I don't know if America would have come Absolutely. into that war. And uh, and Russia had made a deal, uh, Stalin had made a deal with uh, with Hitler, and then the Russian people, it was the Russian people that were amazing. Without the Russian people, we wouldn't have won that war because yeah. they just fought like lions. They were amazing. So um, anyway, it's uh, I'm going into politics. I will fight for... The, the many, not for the few, and I'm for I'm, we need to be brave and curious rather than fearful and suspicious, and that's what I'll fight for. And uh, well done, sir. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see what happens because I don't know what I can do, but I can do. I know I can do more than nothing. That's what I'm. Nice. That's what I'm giving you. EddieIzzard.com for all of this. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.